This is Victory Christian Fellowship. We are a community focused on loving God and loving others. Tune in each week as Pastor Mark teaches us about God's love and the call on our lives. So let's do this. We're going to declare like we do every week who we are as a church family with the Word of God. Then I'm going to introduce again Brother Mike, and we'll dismiss the children. So get your Bible, hold it up, say with me, this is my Bible. It is the standard I live my life by. I am a spirit-filled believer, sustained by my personal relationship with the Lord, empowered by my commitment to community, and expressed throughout reach to others. Therefore, I can say, and... Come on, let's welcome Pastor Mike. Children, you're dismissed to go to the back. Wow, this is awesome. You have no idea how wonderful this is because in Colorado, we can't meet like this. So you need to pray for the rest of the nation, okay? It's not all like Kentucky is. I just want to say thank you for having us. Uh, We love your pastor and his wife in spite of anything her brother may say. I love Tim, I love Sandy, but sometimes you just take some things that Tim says with a little grain of salt. Uh, I just want to encourage you. um, I've been doing some real small teachings online, and one of them is about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit illuminates our lives. And... If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you've asked Jesus to come into your heart, you have part of the Trinity, you have the Holy Spirit in there with you. And, you know, sometimes we don't know how to witness to people, but it's kind of like if you've ever been to, like, Carlsbad Caverns or other caves or, you know, on the tour, They get to the deepest, deepest part, and they always turn out the light to show you exactly what ultimate darkness looks like. And there are people that you know that are in that ultimate darkness. But they always, in the cave tour, turn the light back on. You've got the light that they're looking for. And so if you don't know how to witness, you just be that light, and they'll come to you, especially in this time when fear is so prevalent. So you be the light, and you lead them out of that dark place. Lead them here, because this place is full of light. And if you don't know what to say to them, somebody here is going to know what to say to them, to bring them into the light that you have as well. God bless you. Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Are you awake? That's about 20%, I think, are awake. We haven't had church in about four months now, maybe longer than that, almost five. And so we've been online, and uh, online is all right, but it's not the same as being right here. Amen. So I honor you. Thank you for coming uh, this morning, and I pray that God does something great in your heart and life today. And uh, anybody ever heard of R.W. Schambach? Remember R.W. Schambach? He said, you don't have any troubles. All you need is faith in God. Do you remember how he would say that? 
And you know, I keep thinking about that over and over with this coronavirus stuff. And, and you know, really, we just need a lot of faith in God. And we just need to really trust in the Lord. Take precautions, do whatever you need to do. But, you know, in the, in the end, it's about your faith. And I'm praying that your faith is strong. Obviously it is, or you wouldn't be here this morning. So again, congratulations. Why don't you give yourselves a good hand? Amen. Well, let me jump into this message. You know, I've decided that if I were an alien and I landed on planet Earth and I turned on the television to see what Earth was all about, I would say Earth is a pretty negative place. Would you say the same thing? I mean, everything that you look at right now is negative. I mean, the news is negative. Everything is negative. We're living in a negative world. You can't tell who's lying, who's telling the truth, who's ignoring the truth, who's stretching the truth. Isn't that right? I mean, there's so much negative things. going. I can hardly even watch the news anymore because everything is so negative. I'm, am I the only one that's like that here today? I mean, I've just got to turn that stuff all the way off because I, I just know that we're living in a negative world. I mean, it's kind of like when you put your sunglasses on and they're all smudged up. I mean, that just irritates me. I don't know what it does to you. I mean, it doesn't kill me. It just distracts me. But it's nothing that a little spit won't solve. <laughs> and you know, I've been thinking about spit. <laughs> I really have. Because there's nothing that a little spit won't fix. But you know, people think spit is negative. It's true. They just think it's negative. Uh, look, I Googled this. I Googled this to find out what people thought about spit. <laughs> and there's hardly a man that thought it was negative. It was pretty much all women. They said, well, it's a man thing. It's bad manners. It's all these kind of things. And I mean, they went on and on and on about how negative it all was. And I mean, I, I don't know what's wrong with a little spit person. I mean, Jesus spit in some dirt, made some mud, put it on a man's eyes, and he was healed. Look, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. I mean, who hasn't spit off a bridge? Can I see your hands? <laughs> but women say it's gross, it's nasty, it's a man thing. But I've watched women spit into a napkin and clean dirt or mud off a child's face. I have watched this. Look, I do this to get a better grip. Come on, am I the only one that does this? But see, everybody thinks spit is negative because we live in a negative world. Everything is negative around us. Look, don't look so holy out there. You lick the food off your fingers. I know what you do. So spit isn't that bad. You spit to get, you know, your shoes clean. Now, I don't know how it is in Kentucky, but in Colorado, we get some snows there from time to time. And every once in a while, my windshield washer fluid runs out. Has that ever happened to you? It never happened to you? Okay, I just want to see some hands. Don't, don't make me preach by myself. And, and I've run out of windshield washer fluid. Okay, it's quit snowing. It's, you know, all the stuff's flying up on the, on the windshield, and it's dirty, and I can't get it clean. Well, I've stopped the car before, and I've leaned out and spit on the windshield. Am I the only one that's done that? Some of you are saying yes. Some of you don't want to raise your hand because you're just afraid. Look, as many negative things as we can think about spit, there's a lot of positive things too. Now, I'm not preaching about spit because today I'm, I'm preaching about how to be positive in a negative world. Because we can always find something to be negative about. Isn't that right? 
Every one of you can find something to be negative about. It's easier to be negative than it is positive. In fact, we've got to work really hard at finding something to be positive. And we have to work even harder than that to be positive. And some of you are here this morning and you've been negative because of everything that's going on in your life or in your world or in your job or whatever. You've been negative. You've been cynical. You've been all those things. And, and, and you've become sad. You've got an attitude problem. All these things are going on in your world because you're surrounded by the negative and it's beginning to grip your heart and soul. Look, when that thing gets hold of you, it's a root that's hard to get out because it's a spirit. It's a negative spirit. And I don't know what you think about negative spirit, but I don't like them. And I have found myself becoming negative after a couple of months of coronavirus, face mask, all the kind of restrictions that our, uh, our local and state government has put upon us. I become pretty cynical and everything else. Am I the only one? And I had to catch myself because I saw the root of the negative getting in me. And I, like I said, it is a deep root that's hard to get out once it gets there. And the devil knows how to turn those things in your life that have been positive to something that is now negative. Negative is natural. We're bombarded with a negative. It surrounds us at all times. I mean, I, 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 we say things like, I don't like it. I, I, I hate this. You know, I can't stand what's going on. My job stinks. I mean, why is this always happening to me? Nothing ever goes right. Some of you have been saying those things right now. You say, why me? Why me? Well, it's not just you. It's everybody. It's everybody. So, it's so easy to be negative, so hard to be positive. And I just want you to know that complaining is a good indication that you're probably negative and that negative spirit has gotten into you. And so if you've been complaining, and I have been, I just confess it, but if you've been complaining, I can tell you right now, that negative spirit is starting to get a root in you. And I'm hoping today, in these next few minutes, that as I share with you some practical things about being positive in a negative world, that you'll leave this house today and find some positive things that you can rejoice in. You know, psychologists say that our lives move in the direction of how we think. Our lives move in the direction of our dominant thoughts. I mean, if you're thinking negative all the time, you're going to be moving in that particular direction. I mean, if you continually say, I can't or I never, I'll never overcome, I'm not able to, I'll never have enough money, I'll never get a better job, your life is going to move in that direction. In fact, this is what I discovered. Many people live with such a negative mindset that really you're the one that's become the problem. You're the one that has led yourself into that problem because of the way you think, because you've been negative. I mean, I mean, you can have this incredible life, but find something to complain about. Isn't that right? I mean, you're so blessed, but then you, you, you just think about what you're not blessed with, and then all of a sudden, you become negative in everything. I mean, you can take a perfectly beautiful situation and somehow pick out the negative thing in it. Isn't that true? And you know people like that, don't you? I said, you know people like that, don't you? You probably saw one in the mirror this morning. So I'm probably talking to you. I mean, you can give a dozen roses to somebody, Brother Mark, and they will not look at the beautiful rose, but they'll look at that little thorn on the stem. God could drop $1,000 in your lap, and you say, well, finally, you finally showed up. Where have you been all this time? And by the way, why didn't you just deposit it in my bank account? Now I've got to drive all the way down to the bank to deposit it. You can always find something negative to gripe about. Reminds me of Boudreaux and Thibodeau. You know, we're from Louisiana. 
Boudreaux, does anybody know Boudreaux and Thibodeau? They're our, they're our buddies down there. They're shrimpers and what have you. You know, uh, Thibodeau, he was always thankful for everything. He would rejoice. I mean, uh, w- when it would rain, he said, Lord, I thank you for the rain. I said, my, he said, my plants and my crops are getting rain. It's going to do great. I'm going to have a great crop. And Boudreaux would complain. I mean, he was always negative about everything. He said, Lord, can't you make this rain stop? Why does this always happen to me? He said, it's always mud. Everywhere I go, it's going to ruin and rot my crops. The sun would come out. Thibodeau would say, oh, Lord, thank you for the sun. They're getting all, my crops and plants are getting all the nutrients and vitamins they need. I'm going to have an incredible crop if this keeps up. Boudreaux, on the other hand, negative. Lord, uh, it's so hot, it's going to scorch my plants. It's going to burn my crop right up. Why does this always happen to me? One day, Boudreaux and Thibodeau decided to go duck hunting down in the marsh, and they're in the Piro, and all of a sudden, some ducks fly by, and boom, boom. By the way, uh, uh, Thibodeau had bought a brand new world-class retriever. He could hardly wait to show off his dog to Boudreaux. They shoot some ducks, and Thibodeau says to Boudreaux, he said, Boudreaux, he said, watch this. He said, go sick him. That dog jumped out of that boat, ran on top of the water, picked up the ducks, <laughs> ran on top of the water, got back in the boat, sat down, dropped the birds, and Thibodeau said, Boudreaux, what you think about this? He said, just what I thought. He said, that sorry dog can't even swim. <laughs> I just want you to know that you can be negative about anything. Isn't that, isn't that right? All right. I want to talk to you uh, as a little segue here. I want to talk to you about Joseph. And we don't have time this morning to read all the verses. But if you start in Genesis 37 and just read the first eight verses of Genesis 37. It won't take you but a couple of minutes. Actually, Joseph is one of the few characters in the Bible where you can see really almost his entire life from birth to death. I mean, the Bible follows him the whole way. And I'm just going to tell you, his whole life was surrounded by the negative. I mean, he was the last born. He was the youngest, which meant that all of his older brothers picked on him, teased him, played practical jokes on him. How many of you are the oldest in your family? Can I see your hands? I bet you did that to your siblings. Because you were bigger than they were, stronger than they were, more experienced than they were, right? Yep. You probably rubbed, yep. You know, I found that your brother tells the truth a lot. You know that? That's what I discovered. Yeah, amen. I just want you to know, I believe you. <laughs> but I mean, if you had a younger brother or sister, I guarantee you probably picked on them. I mean, my brother made me eat grass one time. I'm bigger than he is now. My granddaughter, Juliet, she's the oldest, and uh, she said to her brother, Bridger, she said, you're my servant. You have to do everything I tell you to do. <laughs> when I heard that, I said, Bridger, don't you, don't you take that. Don't you do that. Listen, we live in this negative world. Joseph lived in a negative world. I mean, he, he, he got the worst chores. He got the, he got the oldest hand-me-downs. Can you imagine getting the hand-me-downs of 10 or 11 other brothers? Can you imagine that? When it came to the food, when it finally got to him, most of it was gone. I mean, I mean it was not a, a great world that he lived in. I mean, about the only thing positive that happened to him when he was growing up is that his father loved him very much, and he gave him a coat of many colors. You know that story. But you know, even that turned negative because his brothers got jealous of him. 
and I mean, and, and begin to rib him, make fun of him, and do all kinds of things. They started to hate him. Well, Joseph got a dream that was positive. When he shared it with his brothers, I mean, they hated him more. I mean, they began, they were infuriated by the dream that he had. I mean, what was positive now turned to negative. He had another dream that was positive. He shared it with his father. And his father rebuked him. I mean, got mad at him, called him a dreamer and all these kinds of things. What was so positive turned negative. His father scolded him. Look, things weren't going very well for Joseph. He was surrounded in a world of the negative. Soon, his brothers plotted to kill him. In fact, what they ended up doing is selling him to some slave traders. And he ended up in the home of Potiphar. And, you know, that was so negative, but he was so trusted and so trustworthy and so capable that Potiphar put him in charge of everything that was in his house. Except that turned negative because Potiphar's wife had the hots for him. And he kept rejecting her, so she finally accused him of rape. He was cast into prison. Listen, everything that was positive turned negative in his life. This might be a picture of some of you. And, and, and here is poor old Joseph, you know, he's in prison. I mean, everything is negative, but it turned positive. The jailer saw that he was a man who had talent. He could be trusted. He was put in charge of everything in the jails and all the, all, all the prisoners that were there. I mean, it was positive, but it turned negative because the cupbearer and the baker of the king had been somehow in prison. They had a dream, couldn't figure it out. Joseph interpreted the dream. One was going to live, one was going to die. Well, the baker dies, the cupbearer goes back to the king or to the Pharaoh. And, and, and all Joseph said, look, tell the Pharaoh I'm in prison falsely. Tell him to get me out. Tell him to hear my case. And so he had hope. I mean, things look positive. Things look good. But the cupbearer forgot about him until the Pharaoh had a dream years later. Joseph has been in jail for 13 years falsely accused, living in such a negative world. I mean, it would be positive and it would turn negative, just like our lives. Well, when the Pharaoh couldn't or any of his magicians or others could not interpret the dream, you know the story. They find Joseph. And Joseph interprets the dream to be seven years of good, seven years of bad. And the Pharaoh put him in charge of everything that was in the kingdom he was only second in command to the Pharaoh. He was positive. You know, I, I, when I think about this story, uh, it's so interesting to me that no matter where Joseph was or what he was told to do, that he succeeded. And even though he succeeded, things would always turn around to be negative in his life. But in, in, in all this world of the negative, there is no place, no place do I find in the Bible where he became negative. I don't find where he was bitter, where he was blaming, cursing, getting mad at other people. No place do I see where he had hatred in his heart. I didn't see any place where he wanted to quit. It just seemed that in every negative circumstance, he remained positive. Now, how in the world could he do that? Was he dumb or numb? Was he, was, he, was he blind? I mean, I don't know if I know all the answers. I just know that I've observed some things that I think helped him remain positive. Look, I've observed that there is always a positive side to the negative. Now, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but hang on here for just a minute. There's always something positive about the negative. 
I mean, you can always learn from the negative what you can never learn from the positive. Look, my best teachers were in the worst schools. Listen, I, I learned what to do. Uh, maybe I should maybe put it another way. The greatest lessons that I've learned didn't come from what went well, but from things that went wrong. Isn't that true with you? And so even though we may be surrounded by the negative and may, we may be living in the negative, listen, there can be something positive that comes out of this because the positive creates comfort. The negative creates change. Some of you would never change in your life if it weren't for the negative. Isn't that right? We don't like it. But sometimes it's the negative things that have stirred you up to, enough to say, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. It's the positive that exposes your talent. It's, it's the negative that expands your talent. Look, everybody here has talent, ability, and a destiny. I mean, Joseph had that. You do too. But listen, the, the, the positive just exposed his talent. It was the negative that expanded. It's the negative right now that will expand your talent and your destiny. That's what it does. And if it weren't for the negative, Joseph could have never developed the character to lead in a negative situation. And today you and I are in a world of the negative, aren't we? And you think there's no way that this is going to get much better. You might be right. I don't know. I just know this. I can touch this, can I? Here we go. Only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> Only you can determine if what is in your life is a beginning or a conclusion. Isn't that true? You're the only one. Your pastor can't do that. Your worship leader can't do it. Children's pastor can't do that. Youth pastor can't do that for you. Only you. You're the one that's going to determine that. And I want to give you some sound advice. Because to have something greater in your life, you have to leave something that's lesser in your life. If you want something positive in your life, you have to leave the negative. You have to take a step away from the negative and take a step toward the positive. It's up to you to do it. You're the one that determines the conclusion of your life. And I want to give you one more thing to think about. You need to spend more time building the positive in your life than making an excuse for the negative in your life. Because whatever you make an excuse for, you make a place for. And some of you have made a home for the negative. And the negative is trying to expand and add on. Isn't that right? Trying to remodel your soul right now. That's what the negative does. And I think to have a life of expectation without some aggravation is impossible. Isn't that right? Anybody heard of Stan Musial, the great baseball player? Somebody asked him one time, they said, how do you hit a spitball? He said, well, I just hit the dry side. <laughs> you know, that's being positive in a negative world. Are you ready? Here we go. Some practical ways to be positive in a negative world. Number one, your attitude defines the negative or the positive. It's your attitude is what's going to define the negative or the positive. How many of you remember the story of Tom Sawyer? Anybody remember the story, Tom Sawyer? You know, his, his, was it Aunt Polly? Aunt Polly, I think, is who it was who wanted him to go out and whitewash the fence. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to play with his friends. He just did. did I mean, he was grumbling, mumbling, but he went out there and started whitewashing the fence. He was just so mad and sad, upset and everything. And his friends were there watching him, making fun of him. We get to play and you got to work. Well, he decided to change his attitude. He decided to change the way he was thinking. So he started to act really happy by, while he was painting that fence. He would paint a board and say, boy, this is a lot of fun. Whoa. And I mean, after a while, his friend said, well, Tom, let me paint one of those boards. 
He said, oh, no way. It's my job, and this is so much fun. There's no way I'm going to let you paint a board. Come on, Tom, let us paint a board. He would just sit there and smile and laugh and having so much fun. And after a while, some of the, some of the kids said, well, look, if you let me paint a board, I'll give you my toy. Tom says, well, just one board. And so, I mean, he took their toy and they paint a board. Another said, let me paint a board, let me paint a board. I'll give you this. Tom said, okay, just one board, just one board. By the end of the afternoon, he had all their toys and the fence was painted. And the reason why is because he changed his attitude. Nobody wants to be around somebody with a negative attitude. Can I hear an amen? amen. Everybody wants to be around somebody that's positive about life. And has a positive, positive attitude about where they are. His attitude defined whether he was going to be positive or negative. Now, let me ask you this. What's defining your life today? What is it? I mean, life is truly what your attitude makes it. It's either negative or it's positive. I told you earlier, I, I, my life was starting to get defined by the negative. Now, listen, I'm still not happy about things. Are you? And, uh, but you know what? I'm, I just laugh my way along now. I mean, I don't like the mask thing, but I put it on. I don't like to wash my hands, but I do sometimes. <laughs> That's right. If it healed a blind man's eyes, it'll kill coronavirus. Come on, somebody. I mean, Jesus had to face the terrible torture of the cross. And the Bible says this was his attitude. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Isn't that right? Look at this. It says your, your attitude should be like Christ. That's what Philippians 2 says. Look, you can have the mind of Christ. You can have the same attitude as Christ. It's up to you. I said it a moment ago. You're going to define the conclusion of your life by your attitude. Let me go to number two. Number two, you need to break the status quo. Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I don't know if you, if most people like the status quo. They just like the way, where it is. They don't want to change anything. They don't want to make any moves. They're just going to keep it just like it is. They want to try to stay normal. Look, there is no normal. There's a new normal coming, but there is no normal right now, is there? But we want to keep the status quo. In other words, the best thing to do is do nothing. Just keep everything the same. Don't change anything. It's called the status quo. Now, I don't know if you know what the word status quo in Latin means. It means the mess we're in. So if you're the person that likes to keep the status quo, you're the kind of person that likes just to keep the mess that you're in. I'm not like that. I don't want to be like that. I want to get in a positive world, not a negative world. For that to happen, I've got to get out of my mess. I've got to break the status quo. I mean, I, I mean, who, who wants to continue just staying in the mess that they're in? I don't know anybody that does, but we do. Listen, hear this. Defending what is negative around you, defending what is negative around you proves that you have no intention of changing what's negative around you. Some of you are defending the negative in your life instead of, the, instead of changing the negative in life. And you'll never become what you're destined to be by remaining what you are. That means change. You do, do you realize that change is God's attempt to promote you? That's what change is. A lot of you are saying, I don't want any promotion. I don't, I'll, tell you what, I, I'll, take, I'll take your promotion and I'll take the income that comes with it. Amen. So if you don't want to, you want to stay in your mess, you stay in your mess. 
You can just go cook in it. And I'm going to ask God, anybody that wants to stay in their mess, give me their blessing. There's some people that don't want me to do that. We need to break the status quo. Only fools and dead men never change. Fools won't. Dead men can't. Isn't that right? But you can be positive in a negative world, change the status quo. To break out of the negative, you just have to do something. You've got to do something. Start moving. Do anything. Do something is, is better than doing nothing. Look, Joseph decided. And let's just go back to him. For, Joseph decided not to be an ordinary prisoner, but an extraordinary one. I mean... And it broke the status quo. It broke the negative spirit that was in his life, the negative world that was surrounding And it gained him favor. I love favor because favor ain't fair. And I want some favor. We got upgraded to first class on a nonstop flight from Denver to Cincinnati on Friday. You know the reason why? Because favor just ain't fair. Come on, somebody. I'm just a little old nobody, a little gnat on the windshield, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm upgraded to 4D and 4C. I'm believing God to get upgraded on the way back. Why? Because I'm living in the world of the positive. I broke the status quo. I'm not living in my mess. You want to go live in your mess? Not me. Here's my advice to you today. Get out of the rut. Get out of the, look, the only difference between a rut and the grave is timing. All right, all right, I gave you that one. I'm learning how to work this. Number three, conquer the temptation to give up. You know, when things are negative for so long, there's this great temptation in our lives just to kind of throw in the towel. Isn't that right? Come on, I know. I know we're humans. I'm a human just like you are. And the negative world is always trying to get you to give up. Now, listen, I've got some sound advice for you right now. Don't fall before you're pushed. I know that that's deep. <laughs> but look, don't quit before you fight the battle. You might have to fight this battle for a while, but don't quit before you fight it. I mean, think about what Paul the Apostle said. He said in, in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, And so since God in his mercy has given us this wonderful ministry, we never give up. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but we don't give up. Come on, is that you? We don't give up or quit. We're hunted down, but God, uh, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going through suffering. These bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. I read this recently. I wrote it down. I want you to listen to this. I read this recently. The world will always give you the opportunity to quit, but only the world would call quitting an opportunity. Isn't that interesting? Poor Joseph, emotionally abused. I mean, his brothers abused him. His father chastised him. He was ridiculed, tormented, and heckled, but he decided the he decided to conquer the temptation to give up and look ahead and not behind. You know, I can't turn back the clock. All I can do is wind it up. 
My whole life is not defined by what's behind me. My whole life is going to be defined, Jeanette, by what's in front of me. And it doesn't matter what my life is right now. It's not going to stay this way because I'm breaking the status quo. And I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. How, how are you going to define your life? Is a question I ask you. Let me give you another practical thing right now. Give yourself a facelift. There are free facelifts right after this service. <laughs> Some of those men are looking around saying, yeah, she sure needs it. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You thought it. I know. That is negative. She's looked at him and said, yeah, you could lose some weight too. But no, we need a facelift. What is a facelift? Well, it's a smile. Anybody can give their self a facelift. It's not hard. It's not rocket surgery. I just want to see if they're listening. see if they're listening. <laughs> Look, a smile will not break your face, but it breaks the negative. Every, t- every time it breaks the negative. Look, there's always something. Look, when you, when you can laugh at yourself or your situation, th- that negative spirit just has to go. It just can't stick around. And I have laughed at myself so much, and I have laughed at our situation and my situation so much sometimes. It just gets hysterical to think, oh, really? I mean, really? we got to do this? Really? I mean, this is a great time to be a, a bank robber. You know? <laughs> there, was, there was a lady that was assaulted. Thank God she wasn't hurt or anything, but she was accosted as she was hiking or walking in one of the parks there in Denver. And so the police asked her for the description. She said it was a tall male wearing a mask. <laughs> I mean, like, isn't that just about everybody? <laughs> wearing a mask. Look, give yourself a facelift. The Bible says, let's see if I've got it right here. It says a merry heart does good like a medicine. You've read that. Merry heart does good like a medicine, making glad the heart that was sad. Do you, do, you really, do you understand this? The word merry in the Hebrew means to have joy. It means to rejoice. It means to make the soul of man glad. It means to have courage within. That's what the word merry means. And it's the word medicine. If you study that word, it means to heal. It's, it's, the, it's the word where we get healing from. In fact, it, let me just give it to you the way it means. It means the root word means to remove the bandage from the wound. So think about this. Every time you smile... The negative that has put a wound in your soul, every time you smile, you're taking the bandage off the wound because you have been healed. A merry heart will heal every wound, every negative thing in your life if you'll just give yourself a facelift. Can I hear an amen from anybody? We're talking about the ways to be positive in a negative world. You've got to give yourself a facelift. You need to remove the bandage from the wound. Give yourself a face, a smile. I remember when my son was about five or six years old, I was taking him to preschool. That was back in the days when you didn't have to wear seat belts or get buckled in backwards in a seat somewhere. And so uh, I, I don't know if it was there or where we were going, but anyway, he was, he was in the back seat, and I could look in the rear view mirror, you know, and just see where he was at. And I'm telling you, he had a pout from one side of his face to the other. Have your children ever had a big pout? I mean, they're so sad. They're so upset. They're so mad about something in this world. I mean, I don't know what a five or six-year-old get really mad about or upset, but he was. And I looked in that rearview mirror, and his eyes caught my eyes. And I smiled at him, and he was grumpy. I mean, he was mad and angry about something. I said, now, Matt, you can get a smile on your face 
or I'm going to stop this truck and I'm going to help you get a smile on your face. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was going to whip his rear end. I'm telling you, as soon as I, I mean, I let off the accelerator, I started to hit the brake a little bit. I mean, he did this. <laughs> and within 30 seconds, that child that was so upset, so angry, became the child that was full of life and joy because he put a smile on his face. Some of you need to start laughing a little bit more. Laugh at yourself. It's all right. Laugh at the devil. Laugh at your circumstances. Give yourself the facelift and the negative will go. Let me show you this. Number five, say goodbye to your past. You know, it's hard to be positive when you think you deserve the negative. And a lot of people sitting here today, they feel like they deserve the negative. You know the reason why? Because we've done bad things. We're sinners. We mess up. Am I the only one like that here? Probably so. <laughs> That's positive. That's all right. I forgive you. But we have accumulated this boatload of stuff in our life. And so somehow or other, we feel like we deserve bad things or negative things in our life. Because it's the spirit that comes on us. We, we live with a guilt complex instead of a forgiven complex. Christ came to forgive you of all these things. But we just can't, for whatever reason, because we've been so bad, or we think we've been so bad, we just can't get free of it. And so we almost expect the negative as a reward for our past. You know, where did you get that idea? I mean, by the way, who taught you that? I want to talk to them. I want to slap them five ways. Who taught you that? Really, who taught you that? I'm going to tell you, that's the devil. That's the devil. I mean, look at this. Paul says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That's what Paul did. You need to dump your past because it's a dump. Did you hear me? All it is is rubbish, trash. It's the past. You know, Jesus came to remove and erase the past. So why do you keep bringing back, why do you keep bringing back something, why do you keep bringing it back up, something that's already been erased or doesn't exist anymore? Why do we do that? Because we feel like we deserve it. We're not living in that forgiven spirit. We're living in the condemned spirit, the unforgiven spirit. Look, as long as your past is an issue, you're going to have a problem with your future. Am I talking to anybody here today? You'll never be positive in a negative world until you learn how to dump your past. Just do what Paul did. He said, this one thing I do. He said, I know I'm not perfect. He said, I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize. He said, I've not yet apprehended. He said, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not even anywhere near that. He said, but I'm going to forget my past because it's my past that drags me down, holds me back. You know, the past is always going to be the way it was. I mean, I can't change my past, but my future is another story. Your future is another story. It's whatever you decide you want it to be. Your greatest memories are before you, not behind you. You know, poor old Joseph. Joseph, he had such a past, I mean, a bunch of negative memories, didn't he? But if you read about his life, he never went back to his past. Never did. Even when his brothers tried to bring it up, 
Genesis 50, he said, he said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. I mean, he turned it around. Let me go to the last one here. Number six, know where the negative thoughts come from. I'm giving you practical ways to be positive in a negative world. You need to know where these thoughts come from. In fact, let me just give you three little things. They're not on the screen. But that's number one right there is know where the thoughts come from. I mean, if you, get, if you, if you start getting negative thoughts, you can just write it down right now. That's not from God. God is, God is not a God of the negative. He's a God of the positive. He's a God that has faith. He's a God that you can lean on. He's the God that can change things with a word. I mean, he can flick his little finger, and this world can fly right out of orbit. We serve a big God. Amen? So we, we need to know where the thoughts come from. And if that thought, if you're getting thoughts that are making you upset or uptight or disturbs you or whatever, that's Satan trying to infiltrate your mind and, and, and bring into you this seed of the negative. And if you can't decide where the thoughts come from, you'll never wage a war to overcome. And so the second thing is that uh, you, you need to reject the name. Once you've discovered where it came from, reject it. Now listen, thoughts come. I don't know how thoughts are. It's like somebody told me, he said, you know, a, a bird can land on your head, but you don't have to let him build a nest. Is that right? And so, you know, thoughts are going to come. They're going to come all the time. Look, don't give, ne- don't give the negative a second thought, but we do. It's just part of our nature. Look, it's one thing to recognize where the thought comes. It's another thing to reject the thought. You know, when I reject a thought, I do what Paul said. He said, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. When I finally identify, and it's hard. I mean, you've got to work at it. When I finally identify the negative thought and the source of it, I say, hold it right there. That is a negative thought. That doesn't come from God. I'm going to chain up that thought. I'm going to drag it to the foot of the cross. I'm going to say, Jesus, that's a negative thought. It did not come from you. I'm going to leave it at the foot of the cross. And when I get another one, I'm going to drag it and drop it right there again because that's what you have to do if you're going to be positive in a negative world and the third thing is you've got to replace that thought with God's word it's not enough to recognize the thought where it comes from it's not enough to reject the thought you've got to replace the thought let me just ask you this as I'm close let me just ask you this do you know any of God's word I mean can you quote anything from God at all I mean, if not, I just challenge you. Find a script. Look, I'll give you one right now. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Memorize that. If you can't think of anything else, reject that thought. Say, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. (laughs) Can I tell you what? Something's going to happen in your spirit because you've replaced that thought. You recognize you replaced it and rejected it, and now you've replaced it with something from God's Word. God's Word is always positive. God's Word will always reject the negative. That's why we've got to get God's Word in our life. And and so, uh, do you have any of God's Word memorized? That's my question to you. Do you have anything, Rick, uh, anything that you have in your spirit? Look what Paul says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate or think on these things things. Here's the little list right here. Just grab hold of that. What will happen in your life is that the negative, this negative world, will turn into a positive world. Amen. Let me ask you this. There's somebody here struggling with negative things. Let me see your hands. Be honest. We're in church. Don't lie. God will strike you. I've already prayed that he wouldn't, but just in case. Amen. Would you let me pray for you? Thank you, Father.
Lord, there's some in this house right now. Lord, like we've been talking about, we need to change our attitude. Lord, we've, we just have an attitude problem. We just need to change it right now. Lord, all we've been seeing is the negative, but Lord, we just need to start seeing what you're doing in our life. We need to break the status quo, Lord, deciding right now that we're going to get out of this mess right now. And to do that, we're going to take a step. We're going to change our words. We're just going to do something, Lord, instead of what we've been doing. We're going, to, we're going to conquer the temptation to quit and to give up and throw in the towel. Lord, we've been wanting to do it because we're surrounded by the negative, but we're not doing it today. We're making a declaration. We're going to conquer the temptation to quit. We're going to start smiling. We're going to give ourselves a facelift. Lord, that's going to be like a medicine that takes the bandage off the wound. And Lord, adios to our past. We're not living that way anymore. We see this grand, great, mighty future you have for us. Lord, it starts right now, and it goes into the rest of this day and tomorrow. And our eyes are upon you, fixed upon you, Lord Jesus, because we know where the negative thoughts come from. They're not from you. We recognize them. We're going to chain them up. We're going to remind ourselves of what you said. We're going to think on these things, things that are pure, lovely, just, honest, and of a good report. We're going to think on these things so that we can be free, that we can live in a negative world, but be positive in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Everybody look at me for just a moment. Before I close and turn this back over to Pastor Mark, I need to tell you something that happened to me right before Christmas. Uh, we had time off, and uh, I wasn't traveling. Coronavirus wasn't even mentioned at that point. And so I was putting a light over my workbench in my barn. So I've got my 24-foot, big, old, heavy fiberglass ladder. That thing weighs 60, 80 pounds, whatever it is. And I've got that thing cranked up really high. The bottom of my rafter is 16 feet. And so it's cold, and I'm stringing electric wire across the top of that rafter so it couldn't be seen. When all of a sudden, the ladder collapsed. Now I'm up here on this ladder, and the ladder begins to slide down and collapse. The only thing that stopped the ladder was my foot got between two of the rungs, all my weight on that. I'm telling you, it was painful. Jeannie had just been in the barn. I screamed as loud as I could. I couldn't rescue myself. Screamed as loud as I could. Thank God she heard me. She was walking back to the house. She ran in. She saw my predicament. I'm hanging now. I've already slid down. The rafter was here. Now I'm, I've slid down so far. I'm hanging like this. My foot caught in the rung. If, if my first thought was to get my foot out, it hurts. When I looked down, I realized that was the only thing that kept the ladder from collapsing. The end of the ladder was two inches from the bottom of the rafter. Two inches away from death. Two inches away from severe injury. Two inches away from who knows what. Nothing but tools and everything beneath me. I, Jeannie sees my predicament. She gets, she's scared. I said, call the neighbor. Call him right now. I mean, I'm, I realize that the mess I'm in, I'm in a mess. I can't free myself. I can't save myself. I cannot rescue myself. If I let go, I'm gonna, I might die, break my back, break my neck. I don't know. Wouldn't be good. She's frantically calling, and they're not answering. So who else do I call? Who else do I call? And I'm just, I'm calling out. And my phone wasn't, it was on the, on my, on the workbench. I said, get my phone. And I said, call some other neighbors. They didn't answer. She finally got some neighbors down the road that were ranchers and farmers. 
And they showed up, and I'm telling my arms are shaking now because I'm, I, I'm about to the end. I don't know if I can hold on any longer. Look, I could have let go of the ladder, but Jeannie could have never picked the ladder up to, to put it back up. She wasn't strong enough. I mean, I, all these things were going through my mind. What do I do? How do I need to fall? Couldn't help myself. These two men showed up. With all of their might, I tried to take my weight off that. I'm, I'm already shaking. It's been like 15 minutes, it seems. And I've been holding my weight, trying to keep from that ladder from collapsing. And those men were able to finally together push those up and rescued me. You know who they were? It was a father and a son. A father and a son rescued me. Some of you are at the end of that ladder right now, spiritually in your life. You're two inches away, and you know it. And you're just holding on for as long as you can, but there's going to be a time when you'll have to let go. That's going to be the end. How much longer are you going to wait? There's a father and a son right here, right now, in their spirit. is waiting to rescue you. Would you let him? Would you let them rescue you? Save you from a sure death. You're this far away, two inches away. Two inches away. Would you bow your heads one more time with me? I'm not going to call you forward. But I am going to ask you if you're that person. Two inches away. You need a father and a son to rescue you. Would you slip your hand up and let me pray with you? You know you're not right with God. You're just holding on. You're just hanging on. How much longer are you going to hold on? How much longer? How much longer do you think you can hold on? You're not that good. You're not that strong. You can't rescue yourself. You think you can. I thought I could rescue myself until I saw my predicament, and I realized it was not possible. I needed to call for help. I needed help. You cannot rescue yourself. You need to call for help right now. Slip up your hand and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Amen. Anyone else? Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Those who've lifted their hands, who've said, I'm that person, Lord God. I'm just inches away from being destroyed, inches away from the end. Lord, I'm struggling to hold on. I'm struggling to hang on. Lord, I know I cannot do it. I'm calling on you to come rescue me right now. Rescue my soul. Save my life, Lord God. I ask you to come, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, come and rescue and save me. And I ask you to make me a new creature, a new person right now. I give to you my life. I give to you my soul. In the precious name of Jesus. I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me challenge you. Why don't you go out in this world and be positive? Because we know it's negative out there. Amen. God bless you. I enjoyed being here.